0: Hello, I'm Rod Jans, and you're listening to FuelRadio.com, a show about transformations. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for joining me on Fuel Radio.
1: Great to be here, Rod. Thanks for having me.
0: Sarah is, what would you call yourself? Are you the owner? You're the... um... Developer of, the, of this wonderful <laughs> project called Live Awake. Do you have a title for yourself?
1: Oh man, <laughs> uh, I guess you could call. I'm just the writer. I'm the. I'm the vessel. The <laughs> 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 trying to be at least, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's very cool. I just in our pre-interview chat, I told Sarah how I discovered her podcast. I've, I've been on this quest to become a more loving person, and I discovered this one podcast. About um, loving yourself, and it, it man, it was just what I needed at the time, and I've I've been returning to it several, you know, several times, almost weekly, you know, listening to it again. Wow. It's just been a real kind of uh, regular. It's become a regular sort of meditation for me. So, yeah, mm-hmm. really cool. Thanks for doing that. Let's just talk about yourself a little bit. We, I know that you're a mom. Just describe your sort of regular real my life job yeah <laughs> my regular
1: real life <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well i'm a full-time mother i have a six-month-old named hugo and a three-year-old named leo so i'm pretty much in the thick of motherhood right now mm-hmm. writing is probably my uh biggest go-to safety get out of mom jail mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my children have really taught me how to uh Uncover a lot of things about myself, and probably are largely the reason uh, Live Awake was born, and where it was born from. Uh, I started Live Awake soon after, or my first son was born, so close to three years ago now. Mm-hmm. And when I got pregnant with Leo, I was living in Gastown, Vancouver, so I was very much in the hub of things, and. It was a very hard place for me to live in because I couldn't hear myself. And something happened when I got pregnant. All of a sudden, as a woman, you get very uh, fierce in what you need and these kind of animal instincts come out in you. And the biggest um, kind of screaming advice was to get out of the city and it was always a plan for my husband and I to eventually leave, but you know, things are comfortable in your life and change is always kind of, you know, the upheaval is hard. And, but I just got extremely fierce about it and needed clarity. So we, uh, rented a small house in, uh, Summerland, BC, where we were basically living in orchards. So it was very idyllic and peaceful. Um, but with that came tumbleweed rolling down my street. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it was a very stark contrast from Gastown, Vancouver. So I was dealing with absolute silence and no support network other than my husband. So I had left my friends, you know, all the people that were kind of, you know, supporting me in my journey and I was now alone in the quiet of nature. And I, uh, suffered a huge egoic breakdown, you could say, because I had to face so many towering beliefs about myself in the quiet. And that's what solitude, I think that's what we're ultimately afraid of with solitude is that with that, we are, we have nowhere to run to. And that can mean a whole bunch of things. And for me, that was a facing of, um, I guess, a lot of belief structures that weren't really serving me. The biggest one was kind of, why am I choosing a life that retired people choose? You know, <laughs> I was really angry because I had all these visions for my life on a level of, you know, getting out there and being in the world. And I had been acting and I really wanted to be connected in that way and, Life was showing me another way. Life was saying, be quiet, be still. And I was kind of angry about that, really angry. So I kind of went into, I guess I would call it a psychotic breakdown. And it was very, very challenging place to be in because you can't get out and you can't escape to your normal coffee shops or friends or outlets. So I escaped into my writing. what happened with my writing was every kind of struggle that I hit, so every wall that I hit, I would start to write. So a lot of, you know, my episodes are on accepting change and surrender and kind of visiting the dark and the light, you know, the vacillating between the two. And I found that everything I went to digest in my writing, at the end of about around page three of my there, there, there was this beautiful message <laughs> that just came like a gift and it was so supportive and encouraging and loving. And I realized I had kind of accessed my own inner God, you could call it, that was saying you're okay, you're doing well. And it was kind of transforming my experience. So I took all of essentially what are my journal entries, and I thought, wow, if I'm going through all this, I, I can guarantee others are. And I'm I'm just gonna try and do it for fun and just see what happens. So I started recording them, and then somebody said, well, why don't I feel like you have the perfect guided meditation voice? Maybe you should add a meditation at the end. So it kind of snowballed pretty organically into these guided meditations called the Awake. So essentially they're my personal journal entries (laughs) and I think that's why people are resonating with them because it's um, from a very real and human place of suffering and discovery and coming back to wholeness, I guess you could say.
0: I want to Uh go back a little bit. Well, I want to go back to a few things. The On the on being podcast they always ask you know Ooh. what was your religious upbringing like and you know because you're providing these meditations and in a way it's kind of a spiritual teaching you know i'm i'm curious just what was your own religious background like as you were growing up
1: I was raised catholic i guess but i don't remember much of that um my dad was a pastor though so i was raised in i guess you could say a, a fairly religious household but not in the sense my dad was kind of um i don't know i don't i don't actually know my dad was kind of like a black sheep pastor i yeah. guess you could call it sure. i don't know if that i don't know how to explain it he was he's kind of preaches heaven or hell is now not mm-hmm. something we get to so he kind of um broke the rules a little bit as far as that went and i was asked at around 15 years old if I wanted to keep going to church and I chose not to. So I kind of broke off from that, not in a resentful, you know, way as far as I can remember, but I just chose not to. But I've always been encouraged by both my parents to look deeper into reasons for things being the way they are and trying to always access the light of a situation. So in one way or another, I was always encouraged to to look within, I guess you could stay. Instead mm. of turning away, I was told to turn inward. So I was raised Catholic, I guess, but.
0: Were there some, like you're very, you seem to, to do what you've done, you have mm-hmm. to be <laughs> really open to that inner signal. And then it takes mm. a lot of courage to, mm-hmm. to, to follow it. And cause I think we all have these, these longings, desires, things that pop into our minds that, you know, we think, is that, really the signal is that God right. is that something I should follow mm-hmm. were there some significant markers along the way because you know I think sometimes people look at what think you know people who make them kind of moves that you make mm-hmm. and they go oh wow they, they maybe assume that you receive this message and you just did it but were there some things what what led up to that were there some things along the way that you you learned to trust your inner your inner voice
1: I would say the biggest thing was uh, years of not listening to it. I like
0: that answer. That's cool. (laughs) uh, uh,
1: There was, when I was living in Vancouver, I had just moved away from, I'm originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba. So I left, um, again, my support network. I was in a new city. I was trying to figure things out. I was acting. I was doing some, I had graduated with journalism and I was doing some broadcast journalism. I thought that's where I wanted to go. And I was always in, Pain at the end of, you know, some of my biggest success, like booking a broadcasting job or booking an acting job, I always felt this really deep emptiness that accompanied it. And I kept saying, well, this, I should be happy. This is great success. Why am I not happy? And there was always something that kept saying, there's something deeper. There's something deeper. Mm -hmm. I wasn't okay with living on the surface. I guess you could say. And I felt those things really just led me to live on the surface. And it came really easy to me. But it also created a lot of angst, I guess. So for years, I struggled through trying to be of service, but not knowing how. And that was a really painful several years of not feeling like I was contributing in a meaningful way to the world. So I guess through being in that place of suffering, I did end up praying a lot not to god specifically but to you know something to be revealed because i wanted to be of service in a deeper way so being in kind of a condensed painful place all the time and kind of feeling like you're always on the ground <laughs> you kind of as soon as wisdom or, or some other sign comes from somewhere else you kind of jump at it out of desperation i guess So out of my desperation, I I kind of slowly started hearing, you know, just they were never blatant. It wasn't like Sarah start a podcast and start writing and touching people that way. It was never blatant. It was always tiny things. Stick to your writing. Go into nature. Find quiet. And from listening to those quiet things, I think we always expect it to be a very monumentous, you know, voice that says, this is what you're doing, when it really is usually just a culmination of tiny little whispers that you listen to. And the more you listen to those whispers, the more you say, okay, you want me to go to the forest? I'll go to the forest. Something gets confirmed in your system and something gets aligned. And you start developing a trusting relationship with these whispers. And I I find the more you trust and the more you just say, okay, even if it's random, like stick your feet in the sand, take your shoes off. (laughs) You know, these are very simple things, but you start developing a trusting relationship with something that's, that's being spoken inside of you. And the more you do it, the more they come, the louder it comes. And the more you just start saying yes to it, no matter what it says. And then it just kind of starts moving faster and more open and you just become more aligned with yourself because that's ultimately what's speaking to you is your your deeper self. So for me it was a lot of suffering out of desperation, listening to some deeper something, and then it just snowballed from there, I guess you could say. Over years though, you know, yeah. it it wasn't quick.
0: One of the questions I had written down, and you've answered it. I think is, you know, how do you come up with these beautiful podcasts? <laughs> it sounds uh-huh. like they they come out of your life, and you've they come out of your your writing and stuff like that. Is that that like you said that is a way that you you process your your feelings uh-huh. and, and um, tell us just a little bit. Let's let's get a little bit practical. Let's let's okay. say you're <laughs> like for your next uh, your podcast. What, mm-hmm. it, do you have like a schedule? Are you just waiting for inspiration or?
1: Okay. So just... this is the the tricky thing with my podcast. Yeah. I've had, I've had writer friends say, well, no, you just have to sit down and write because I've gone through, um, large periods of not, non doing and non listening and non being able to hear. I think that's a natural part of the process for me. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you sit down and go to the grind. And for me, I've always written, it's always been my mode of uh, digesting an experience doesn't really come to an end for me until I've written it down. It's kind of like the resting place for me. But with that, I'm whatever I've written about in my podcast is a very close, there's a very close connection for me. So self-love, for example, that you really resonated with was a very hard thing for me to learn as well. And I'm still learning. Like that wasn't long ago that I even posted that one. So I guess what happens is I kind of hear this, these words swirling around about self-love. It starts coming to me through different places. And then I do kind of an internal digesting. And then all of a sudden, something just says, right. And it just floods out. So I've written most of my podcasts within, you know, 10 minutes. But it, it has to, it has to reach kind of a point of digestion in my life it before I it can write about while, exactly it term. germinates for a while. And yeah. then like, I'm almost looking for, you know, everything to start showing me it. And, and then all of a sudden it just gets clear and then I go and then <laughs> <laughs> it's there for everyone to read or listen to. So
0: this message of being okay. I like that. That's also a recurring mm. message for me too. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you just, I'll share with you just a brief experience Good. that I've had is. Good, I, I, I love that. <laughs> I mentioned Tara Brock before mm-hmm. in, in our, in our pre-interview conversation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she does this thing where you envision your future self and what would your future self, um, you know, say to you mm. in certain situations or, um, different things that you're feeling. You know, she does these guided meditations and it's usually something like uh, dealing with a difficult person in your life or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, my future self has, when I've done these meditations a couple of times, uh, has said to me, it's going to be okay, and you're okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and you know how these things work. As soon as mm-hmm. you hear that, it's like your life flashes before your eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And actually, you know, the last time this happened, I was thinking of a person who um, I'm having a difficult time with mm-hmm. and they make me feel like I'm not okay. Like I don't measure up and I, mm. I feel like I've never measured up in this person's eyes. And I feel like I never, I I've kind of given up hope. Like, it, it's, yeah, I get that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never going to happen. So But you
1: keep trying, don't you, Rod? (laughs) Well, it's quite
0: something for my future self to say that. And then now it's like, okay, now I have a tool. Like every time I think of that person, I think it's going to be okay. okay. And I'm okay, you know. Or if there's something else in my life that brings up a similar feeling that that person emotes in me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I I can practice that really quickly too and just rest in that. I call it, I think, this being okay is Mm -hmm. unconditional love so you know what what was that if you don't mind sharing like what was that experience like for you it sounds like it was really a pivotal message or experience in your life
1: Mm -hmm. i think i was fighting and resisting everything so much so that i just hit rock bottom and when you hit rock bottom something really beautiful happens all of your defenses are down you know, your ego is maimed, you're, you know, you're really just receptive and the earth is an extremely good place to lie down. So I think when people hit the ground and they think, you know, this is a place of great despair, it's really not. I think it's when you're probably in your most open, uh, receptive self, because you've just let everything go. And then, and then something speaks to you. And I think that's your, your higher self that you're speaking of, your future self, so to speak. Yeah. And I mean, you all know, we all know about having those types of experience. Like think about, I love thinking about when my son was first born and how I was literally in, um, you know, panic and shock for a good six months, I would say. And then I, you know, he was a year old, and I look back at it, and I can't even remember the panic and shock. So, you know, there's a part of you that's that knows, you know, eventually I'm going to look back at this experience and be okay, and not even have, you know, a response to it. So, how can I access that okayness now, if this is all going to be a memory at some point? You know, you might not be able to even remember this conflict you have with said person you're speaking about in the future. So how can we access that now? Because that's the ultimate truth, right? Whenever, so, I mean, that's what I, I always try and practice is this is eventually going to be a memory. Why am I giving it so much power now? And why am I letting it kind of control my peace and my, my pleasure for life, because eventually it's all just going to be okay. <laughs> and it already is okay. You know, it's already, it's already, you know, it's just the story that we tell about it that gives it power and makes it not okay. If that makes sense. I don't know if I'm being too vague here, but mm-hmm.
0: I'm tracking with you. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> I hope um, it's a practice for me. Too. Yeah. I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's a continual practice.
0: you've mentioned suffering along the way like mm-hmm. it's it's not all this journey of listening to the inner signal is not all just a journey of bliss unfortunately mm-hmm. <laughs> there is mm-hmm. lots of bliss right like you mentioned silence and and uh you know enjoying nature and i i believe beauty for me equals joy you know so the outdoor mm-hmm. seeing things outside and beautiful things just brings incredible joy to me but Mm
1: -hmm. can
0: you say say where does suffering fit into it for you because i hear in your story that there's been some some real pain along the way as well Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is that just life and
1: i yeah that's the thing (laughs) i guess you know because if somebody saw my life from the outside they'd say oh like what she got to complain about and you know on the, the grand scale of things i have i have. No real massive hardship, but I think suffering and bliss are almost totally connected. They're hand in hand. <laughs> so I don't think we can have one without the other. Thich Nhat Han. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's Appreciate a great poet. He yeah. says, you know, if he had a child and, and somebody said, uh, your child could be born into a world there was no suffering, would you would you want that? And he said, absolutely not. Um, because the suffering is the part, you know, is just as much the bliss as it is, you know, the suffering. And I don't mean suffering like pain. Like suffering to me is just, uh, a disharmony with my higher self. So on a level, I'm in constant suffering. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're always kind of y- y- battling to come back to center. And that to me is suffering because I don't like living in the untruth of who I am. That's really hard for me. And because I know there is two of me, that creates suffering because every time I choose to be in my, my, my suffering self, I know there's a higher self that I'm not choosing, right? So that creates a disharmony and a suffering within me. So every time I choose to fight my husband or every time I choose to yell at my son, I know that's creating suffering for me because I'm aware of a higher part of me that would not be th- doing these things
0: and it it kind of goes hand in hand with awareness, doesn't it? I like what you say totally it's the untrue that what's mm-hmm. untrue I, I love that how you phrase that i <laughs> I don't like living with what's untrue about me, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's no. Great. <laughs> That's what
1: creates the suffering, right? And I think yeah. we all know that. I think we all know when we start engaging with the untruth. And I think that can be pretty painful. And because I've, you know, um, tended to this, this self and I pay careful attention, I think I'm hyper aware of when I do slip or when I do fall. So, you know, the suffering gets magnified. But no, there hasn't been any major, you know, moments of suffering. Like I haven't been addicted to anything and I haven't had to go through stuff like that. But on a level, we're all, you know, we're all suffering. We're, there's no difference in any one of us. So maybe I'm just more in touch with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned Thich Han. Who are some of your teachers? Who are people that you read or listen to or, yeah, look hmm. up
1: to? Thich Nhat Hanh is definitely one of them. I don't know what it. That man has done but every time i hear his voice it's just like whoa you're just done (laughs) clarissa pinkola estes is one of my uh favorites she's not like in mainstream i guess
0: yeah i Um, haven't heard of her i'll have
1: to look her up she writes a book she wrote a book it's essentially my bible called women who run with the wolves and it's just a really powerful just check her out she's cool who else do i love i love everything uh tammy simmons does from sounds true I guess I go through
0: go through phases, hey. I go through phases, yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And
1: Tara Brach is really awesome too. Yeah. she's she's I'm, light and fun and.
0: I'm yeah. in a Tara Brach phase right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's cool, hey, and she's <laughs> yeah. really nurturing. She's yeah.
0: just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that mix of science and psychology, though, too, that she has, and then the the totally, Buddhist yeah. background that she has as well. So. I yeah. Yeah, and and like you really say, grounded. the jokes, her, her 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 bad jokes during her time. Yeah, that's
1: the thing, right? There's like, it's like I love that. You always know a really great spiritual teacher when they have so much light to you. They're not just like yeah. trying to, you know, sermonize anything to you. They they just like, ah, like Thich Nhat Han laughs all the time, and some of the, you know, they're just laughing and smiling all the time because they've accessed the lightness of life. I think.
0: Well, yeah. as we begin to wrap up, I had just have a couple more questions and just mm-hmm. this is maybe kind of a heavy one, but Do it. Do it. I'm there. All right. What does it, it mean to you to live awake?
1: <laughs> That's just a big one, Rod. I think to live awake means to be wholly responsible for the healing of your life. So, what does that mean to me? It means just constantly choosing love over anger, over fighting, over resistance, I guess, on a day-to-day basis and not looking to others to kind of give you permission to do that or ask you to do that. I think a lot of the time, and at least for me, I waited for a very long time for someone outside of me to show me what I needed to do, but what actually was needing to happen was for me just to start saying yes to what I was already knowing, which were the small voices like I was talking about, going to the forest or just taking responsibility and, um, yeah, mm-hmm. choosing love in the face of your discomfort because that's the higher path, I guess. So that's living awake, just being aware and not, does that make sense?
0: <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> I, I, I think a big, if you want to say... It mm-hmm. this way like a big part of my awakening was starting to just pray outside and in my mm-hmm. evangelical religious surroundings there was nobody had a nobody had any advice for me <laughs> mm-hmm. it was actually considered to be kind of dangerous right mm-hmm. Um, but I kept going you know and uh, like you say not not asking people for permission yeah it it led for me it's led to a deeper awareness and love for for god and for others and mm-hmm. now like i say the thing i think i'm having to work on is more love for myself <laughs> oh that's so,
1: the hardest one i yeah. don't <laughs> i i don't know what it is it's always like it's not even taught to us i wish it was taught from day one
0: yes yes i thought that you know <laughs> why didn't anybody teach me this
1: oh well, we tell all our, <laughs> we tell our kids you know just be kind and love everyone Nobody says, and also yourself. I mean, it's such it was such a vague notion for me. It was almost something I dismissed, self-love. Like it was something I dismissed. People would say, Love yourself. I'd say what? Okay, blah, 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 whatever. It was, it wasn't even something I I thought had value on a level. Do you know what I mean? Like it was I was so disconnected from that. And I think the self-love thing for me happened. I don't know what someone told me. Or someone just kept saying, I love you, I love you, and asking me to repeat that. And I did that in my podcast. And I just broke. Because it was almost as if, you know, I'm thirty, turning 34 this month. And it was like 34 years of never saying that to myself. Isn't that bizarre?
0: The way I thought of it, and with, again, with my own religious upbringing, yeah. is we hear the verse, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and others as yourself. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. the, as yourself is kind of the... The, the, the
1: afterthought. The afterthought, like,
0: but really, and I've, this isn't original with me at all, is how can you love others or even love God unless you love yourself? If you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to do those other things. So yeah. Isn't
1: that wild? And now we're just finally deducting that. But that's the beauty of the spiritual journey, because I think that's what it all, everything leads to that. You know, you realize your pain with your spouse or your children is usually translated into some sort of pain you're not addressing in yourself.
0: Totally. And that's where it started for me, was just pain with my spouse. uh, Right? You know, I know I want to love her more, but I I couldn't because I realized that it it was my own thing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't loving myself enough first, so Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, and that's how I first discovered that after I had fully given myself a really good love down, maybe my first one ever, mm-hmm. just saying, I love you till I cried. Mm-hmm. And I walked out into the kitchen and my husband just grabbed me mm-hmm. and held me so close and said, I don't know what you've done. Oh, wow. <laughs> this morning, but you feel so beautiful. Like my energy felt beautiful. He mm-hmm. had immediately kind of sensed a change in, in, language in my body I guess and that transformed what you know he gave me more love because of that and that to me was my aha okay so the more work I do on myself the more I'm wholly responsible for the healing of my life and myself the more I'm living awake to all of the ways that I am being incongruent with that the more the world will start mirroring to me the immense love that i'm creating inside myself like that's the that's that's the plain truth and that may in fact be the journey that's (laughs) you're doing the good work rod (laughs) you are too (laughs) Oh, thanks the hard work but it's the good work
0: So also in our pre-interview, we talked about. I warned you that I was going to ask you where this project was going, and you don't really know. <laughs> but now you've had about thirty minutes to think about it. <laughs> but you oh, probably shoot. haven't been thinking. I have about
1: not. It. I've been so engaged, Rod. Okay.
0: It sounds uh, like it sounds like you're just intuitively going yes. along, and where it go, where it goes, it goes.
1: Exactly. I'm um, yeah. I'm going to continue writing. I've I've felt a little bit of a nagging to. Um, Take it somewhere else. So I'm not sure. Uh, it may look more like a program. I think that's what I might work on. Mm. Is um, I've been toying with the idea of uh, a program that helps connect us back with our feeling bodies, because I think that's what we're so disconnected from. So I think we come in to the earth, into form, into body as little babies, and we kind of brace against life because it's so big and we don't know what we're doing and it's a way of managing things and we're just not taught to open back up again. So I think I might want to do a little program on that.
0: I love that. I was going to ask, that was one of my questions. I was wondering if you were teaching anyone or spending time with people because I'm sure you have a, an amazing presence. And um, I wonder if you were
1: co- no, but, I mean, coaching percol- or it's directing percolating. Yeah. It's percolating. Happen- it's happening. It's slowly happening. It's so funny. I was, I don't know where you found my, uh, my podcast, but, uh, Insight Timer is app. It was an Insight. App. Yeah. It was on in the yeah. Insight Timer. Yeah. Um, and since then it's just like exponential growth, um, as far as my reach. And it's been really beautiful because people all over the world and it's now a few of my episodes are being translated into three different languages. So that's wow. really cool. Oh, but my, I went to my mailbox and I live like secluded, like I'm up on, I have a hundred acres. In salmon arm up on a hill <laughs> and i barely see anyone but my male lady and my kids and you know <laughs> and i go down to the mailbox and she says i was at a massage the other day and someone kept talking about this live awake meditations and i googled it and i saw that it was you so it's even <laughs> it started to hit salmon arm <laughs> <laughs> so we'll neat. see where it goes we'll see
0: how does that make you feel when it comes full full all when the way around back. like that yeah
1: uh, pretty, du- you know, it's shocking. It's yeah. like, whoa, what? Yeah. I mean, because I, it's just bizarre. It's it's just, it was my own personal work that's touching a lot of people, which I'm very grateful for. We're all so connected. I mean, the suffering we're talking about is so universal. Basically, there is no difference. So I'm just saying it out loud, I guess.
0: Well, I've got you. I got to ask you this question, too. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's a typical day in your life? like like how are you guys sustaining yourself (laughs) did your husband it sounds like you you both would have had to have left the work that you were doing so how are Um, you surviving
1: (laughs) that's a good question barely no (laughs) no um my husband is he's a developer and he owns a restaurant whistler actually so he's kind of but he's originally a ranch boy from merit so he's always had uh, Uh a desire to be out in nature so we've kind of just made it possible to do this But, I mean, we're always problem solving and trying to figure out new ways. Um, but I am just a mother. I mean, I am a mother,
0: not just a (laughs) mother. Not just a mother, yeah.
1: But we're finding, I mean, we're trying to figure it out. Day to day is just me and my boys, really. Writing when I can, yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. I,
0: I really have the sense that this is going somewhere. Not that it has to, but I'm sure you're going to have more people knocking Mm -hmm. on your door and asking you to do things. And, uh, you really have a, you really have a gift. You have a gift of writing and, I'm glad someone told you that you have a very, um, meditative voice because I think that's a, <laughs> well, it's, I think it's important. Like it, it's helpful. Oh, yeah. If people are mm-hmm. trying to meditate, I think sometimes when they're doing guided meditations, the voice can kind of get in the way, but yours doesn't. Yours, your voice Oh, thank really, you. you. You've, you've got it. You've got a it's natural. It's just,
1: it's just there. You've got yeah. a
0: natural gift there. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah
1: voice is a big thing. So.
0: Thank you so much for joining me. And what's the best way for people to... What's the URL again for Live Awake?
1: Uh, It's the Live Awake... I think it's... Whoa, Rod. Uh, Is it the Live Awake Project? (laughs)
0: I've got it. Oh, I I think it's
1: liveawakeproject.com. And there you'll find my SoundCloud and my iTunes link and all that. So you can subscribe through iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube, I think. There's some videos on Vimeo that I just do for fun. So...
0: Yeah, just to confirm that, it's the liveawakeproject.com, and we'll put that in our show notes as well. Mm, thanks, And Rob. also, if you mentioned the Insight Timer, that's mm-hmm. been a real blessing to me. And so if people want to look you up there, they can just yeah, search for Live Awake. search
1: Live Awake on Insight Timer. It's a great app if yeah. you're looking for all sorts of things.
0: Yeah, we've mentioned Tara Brock in the course of this uh mm-hmm. discussion today and she's on there as well so yeah just, yeah
1: they've got Eckhart Tolle and
0: yeah. lots of stuff mm-hmm. yeah Tolle's not a big meditation guy but he does
1: <laughs> no he's he, funny to listen to though he's just so he's just so cute I love he, him
0: he's got one on <laughs> acceptance that I listened to recently that's really good yeah is
1: it good yeah, yeah. he's re- he's he's yeah you got to be in the mood for him but he's great yeah great messages yeah yeah
0: he, he pokes fun at meditators trying to find a particular state, and he just says, The state that we're all searching the perfect state is acceptance.
1: <laughs> and he's laughing all the time. He and does a so his cute. Way the he's just like, at ha, ha, all his own jokes. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm telling you, the sign of a good spiritual teacher is a laughing. <laughs> if they're laughing, follow. Good. Well, thank you, Rod. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you, Sarah. It was awesome. Yes. Thank you so much for, okay. for joining me today.
1: Yay. Okay.